Amen. Jesus, as he commissioned his disciples, he reminded them of a number of things. And the night before his crucifixion, as Jesus instituted the supper, he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of him. And so, as followers of Christ, we come to the supper, and I don't think it really needs to be argued that we need to remember Jesus. Um, Hopefully, Jesus' followers would remember him. But Jesus gave them this ordinance, this opportunity that we gather to remember the Lord and to remember his sacrifice for us, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an ordinance just as baptism, are not given to individuals, they're given to the church because collectively and together as the church, we commemorate his death and his resurrection, symbolizing the unity that is now ours in Christ and the new covenant that we are a redeemed people. And this morning, as we gather here in just a very small fraction of the body of Christ that is represented throughout the world today, and the invisible church throughout the ages. We together gather around his table as a reminder that this is not the work of any one of us, but that this collectively is the work of the Lord Jesus, of what he has done in our place. And so as we gather around the table today, I want us to first seek the Lord. You know, Paul tells us as he writes to a church who was observing communion, Paul tells them that let each examine themselves. Let each examine himself. Then, so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. You see what Paul's talking about? He says, hey, when a church is gathering around the Lord's table and collectively we enter this time as a family, we're reminded of a couple things, and that is each of us must examine himself before he eats and before he drinks. Why? Because the whole point is that we do this in a way that honors Christ in a way that demonstrates the unity of our church, that expresses the the oneness that we have with one another. And so as a body, as a church, the question that we each ask ourselves this morning as we come into this time is, am I representing Christ well? Am I representing Christ well? Am I Christ-like this week? Have I been in my actions, in my words? In my thoughts, have I been representing what this portrays? And so for each of us today, that's my question to ask you before we seek the Lord together. Is your week in this life, has, have you represented Jesus well in recent days? Have you honored Christ well in recent days? Because that's the whole point, that each one of us would discern the body. That we're discerning this body that we are now a part of and realizing the part that each of us have and the way that we represent that. And so I'm going to ask Jessica to play, and we're just going to take a few moments here for you just to seek God. I'm sure the music this morning's ministered to your heart. And I want you just to privately bow your head and seek the Lord right now as we go to the Lord in prayer. Individually. 
Because now together we're coming together corporately. But the question has to be asked, am I representing Jesus well? Am I, am I living in light of this? And you know what? This morning it's one of two things. It's, it's either a conviction that we're not, and in that we run to the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and ask for His cleansing, ask for His forgiveness. But you know, if you think you are this morning, you still need to live in light of that grace. So I'm going to give you a moment just to seek the Lord to express your love and thanks for His mercy and grace and to quietly make things right with Christ. Lord Jesus, we certainly can't come into this time trying to achieve any type of righteousness in of ourselves. For we know that, God, we have no righteousness. We have no merit. We have no goodness in of ourselves. Lord, if each of us really did search our heart today, we know those things to be true. And what we've also seen today is just through the song, and as our mind's eye goes back to think about all that you did, Lord, we're amazed we're amazed that you would demonstrate your love in that way so that we could have life, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have hope. That old song, Lord, keep me near the cross, I pray, Lord, that's true for each of us today. That we remember how much we are debtors to mercy. Your mercy. So in this time, Lord, we thank you. We pray that we as a church this morning, as we gather around the table in this way, that we would remember you, that we would demonstrate our unity and our oneness as a church and as a family. And Lord, that we would ultimately remember your great love for us and the love that is compelling us to love the people around us. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. I want to invite you to take your Bible with me before we go to the table, and that is to a couple of different places. I'd like for you to go to Romans chapter 5 with me. I'm ask you to turn to just a couple places this morning. You know, I'm reminded that for many of us growing up in church, we were in communion services, but we maybe were never really taught on the importance of what this time represents. And it's easy to go through emotion without actually entering into a time of worship and remembering and, and knowing what we are doing. I think, sadly, as you look at the church, uh, communion is one of those things that is often so portrayed differently in different expressions of Christianity. And yet, there's some things that I think if we were to simply look at what the Bible's teaching us about where do we look and what are we looking towards in this time, I think it would be a real help to each of us. And so this morning, I want us to ask the question, when we come into the room like this, and we're going to gather around the table, and those in the chapel this morning as well, as we're gathering around the Lord's table together, what does this represent? And, and, and where are we to look? What, what, what is the focus of this time? And I want to give you a, four, a few things this morning. 
The first is we cast our gaze in a number of different directions with eyes of faith as we enter this time because first, we look back. We, we, we look back to the cross of Christ. And as we look back to the cross of Christ and we think about the way that Jesus gave himself for us, it ought to well up in our heart this overwhelming sense of gratitude, this overwhelming sense of of thanksgiving as we think about the cross of Christ and the sacrifice that Jesus made. Notice with me in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, notice how Paul describes it. He says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. That's us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. I mean, what an amazing thought. That God, the God-man, God dies for man. God dies for man. I mean, there are a lot of religions in the world today of people trying to earn righteousness and they give themselves up in types of martyred death hoping to appease the false God that they worship. And yet Christianity is in contrast to that. God himself comes into this world and God dies for man. Since, notice what he says, Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. I love the song the choir sang, the very first opening line, I'm alive, I'm alive, because he lives. Now, come on, when was the last time you thought about that? Not just in the context of the resurrection, but just in the context of your life. (laughs) I'm alive, I'm alive because he lives. The Bible tells us all things were created through him. And today, because of the resurrection of Christ and the hope that, 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 that goes beyond this life, you and I are alive forevermore, amen? I mean, that should get you to shout this morning, man, amen. I'm alive forevermore, forevermore. And this is a time of commemorating what? Jesus takes the Passover, which was a symbol of deliverance from the bondage of Egypt, and now he he institutes communion as as this point of commemorating the deliverance from sin, that the power of sin has now been broken in our life. And so as we enter this time, we look back and we remember what Jesus did in our place. But not only do we look back, right now we, we look up. Why are we looking up? Why would we look up? Because Jesus died, he was buried, and then he what? He rose again, but then he did what? He ascended to his Father. Jesus ascended to his Father. So we look up into the heavens where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because he now intercedes for us. What great news. Notice what, I want you to turn to another place in your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. We reminded that we look back, but now we look up. Because what do we see? As we look up, we see what the writer of Hebrews describes for us beginning in chapter 4, verse 14. Since, 
Since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what? What is it? It's a throne of what? Grace. That we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He says, he says let us hold fast to our confession. You see, during this time of communion, we look up and we remember that there is one who ever intercedes for me. We're reminded that Jesus Christ knows me. He knows my weakness. He, he is not unable to, sympath, un, un, unable to not sympathize in my condition. He knows what it's like to be tempted, yet he did so victoriously and without sin. So let us therefore come boldly. Literally, let us just run forward to the throne of grace in confidence. Why? Because we need grace and mercy today. As we gather around the table, what you're going to say here in just a moment as you hold the, the cup and, and, and the bread, you're saying as you partake in the supper, this is your ongoing confession. Baptism was your public identification with Christ and your public profession of faith. But now, having been baptized, we now continue to take part in this ordinance of the Lord's table. Why? Because it's our ongoing confession that we are continuing to let us with confidence. Notice, this is what we are doing. We are continuing to hold fast to our confession. You know, there's many people that have kind of twisted the understanding of this time of what the Bible teaches and have taken the bread and the wine and have kind of like they're turned into something. But I want to remind us this morning that what's in front of us right here is simply bread and it's simply juice. But as we take the bread and as we take it into our life, in effect we are saying, Lord Jesus, the bread of life, you are the bread of life and in that I take you into my life. And taking the cup in just a moment, what you're saying in effect is you take that juice that is just a symbol of the work of what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's an internal uh, response of saying, Lord, I could never thank you enough for shedding your blood for me. And by doing so, the bread and the cup, they, they represent things that nourish the body. You and I can't live very long without food, can we? I don't know how some of you do in your fasting, but it might be real difficult, right? But we can't live very long without food. Why? Because our body needs to be nourished. And what we're saying as a family this morning gathering around the table is our nourishment as a church, our life as a Christian comes not from my life, but from His life. It's His life lived through my life. And I'm in need of Christ's life. And I'm recognizing as I partake in this table, what I'm saying is I'm recognizing what? That Jesus is the bread of life is what gives me life. And that His shedding of blood took away my sin. And now with a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness, I'm resting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. 
I am not resting in receiving these things. I am not resting in somebody who gave me these things. I am not resting in the church or the denomination that I was a part of when I partook these things. I am resting in Jesus Christ alone. So we look back, we look up, but do you know where else we want to look? We want to look around. Would you do that this morning? Would you look around? Look around the room a good while here. Take a look at who's here this morning. Look at the people you're about to have supper with. The Lord's table is something we do when we come together. Notice what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Would you take your Bible now and turn with me to 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Paul is giving notice here, instruction to a church. And as he writes to this church, what does he say? He's talking about what happens when they come together. He says in verse 17, but the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the what? Worse, for in the first place, when you come together as a church. You see, what's so significant about this time that we're about to enter into is that we're coming together as a church. We're doing this corporately, we're doing this collectively, and those two things picture the unity that we have and that we share in Christ. A unity that is made visible, not just a unity that is invisible, but Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 is describing a visible unity that was made visible in this local church at Corinth. And what was happening in Corinth is that the division in the body of Christ, this one supper that ought to have represented them coming together as a family, had now actually been caused to be a point of division in the church. And so notice, what does Paul say about that? He says, he says, so when you come together, actually, if you read chapter 11, you'll discover that five times Paul says those words that This church is to come together. Because here's the point. Yes, we are all in Christ. If we are in Christ Jesus, all right? So so if you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, by faith, you have trusted in the Lord Jesus, and by His grace, He has saved you, then yeah, we are one in Christ. But notice, what I find so important is that Paul directs this letter to a church. He's not talking about individuals. I think... Notice, this is directed to a church, and so we come together as a local visible body because when we do that, when we're together as a local visible body, collectively we participate, collectively we celebrate that there is a family that is made possible for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we, as a visible part of that, are saying, I'm a part of this family. That's why we believe in church membership. Because when you come to know Christ, you're baptized. I think that's the part of the New Testament. The book of Acts was directed to churches, gathering in homes. First Corinthians directed to a church. 
So the point is, notice, this is not something that we do individually. This is something we do corporately. And as we do it corporately, it signifies the unity that we have in Christ. And you know what? Here's so sad. The one thing in the church that ought to have represented unity in the book of in the book of Corinthians was the one thing that was actually causing disunity and it was causing reproach on the name of Christ. And so as we participate together, you know what we say? We're saying together that, 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 that we are in Christ and that we together as a church family, as we gather are a visible, a visible expression of Christ's body in this place. Do you realize there are Christians in other places than just Catawba Valley this morning? Do you know that? <laughs> Some of us have only grown up here and we think maybe this is it, you know. There is something over the mountain, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. I often, actually often sit in my house on the front porch and I feel like, man, the city feels so far away. But you know what? There's a group of Christians that have gathered in Catawba and a group of Christians that have come together as a visible display, not just in a Bible study. We just don't have a Bible study here. We have a church. And Christ has commissioned the church to baptize. He's commissioned the church to partake in communion so that together we represent that there is a visible display to Christ's body. There's a visible display to Christ's body. That's why in Corinth, when a member was put out of the church in an act of discipline, they were kept away from the table. Why? Because it's a, this is once again a picture of the visible display of Christ's body. So we look back. We look up. We look around and we recognize this morning that I am not partaking of this by myself, but I am partaking of it with others. Others who are with me. Others who have too shared in this common experience. And then finally, we look forward. We look forward to Christ's return and to his kingdom. Notice he says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What he's saying is by gathering around the table and doing this, we're saying to one another something. We're proclaiming to one another something. We're proclaiming the gospel that Jesus lives, that he was the son of God and he entered this world and he took upon our humanity so that he could identify with us. He was crucified. Our sins were nailed to his cross and God's wrath was poured out on him and then he was buried. But he rose again. And he ascended to the Father, and he's now extended you and I this tremendous gift to be a part of his family, to be welcomed in, to become a part of his family forever. And you know what? We're not just going to eat. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you right now communion with small wafer cups and tiny juice glasses are a small comparison to what it will be like in God's kingdom. When he literally, physically invites us to sit at his table. Could you imagine that? Can you picture that for a little bit? Can you look forward a little ways in your mind's eye to what that day will be like? 
when you, with this innumerable multitude from every nation, tribe, and tongue are gathered around the throne and before the Lamb, and we are singing and we're shouting, worthy, worthy, worthy. And all of us got in the same way. through the Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of us are debtors to mercy. Every one of us are debtors to God's grace. Notice what Jesus said. I won't ask you to turn there. You can stay in 1 Corinthians 11, but notice Matthew 26, how Jesus told his disciples. He says, I will, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. This time, is simply a foretaste, a looking forward to that day when we are gathered around God's table. And it reminds us of our hope that we have in the midst of it. And so I'm excited this morning that we're going to enter into a time of taking the table together. I'm going to ask Jessica to come. We're going to sing before we um, take from the table together. I'm going to ask Pastor Stephen, if he's not already in there, he's going to be in the chapel this morning. I'm going to ask Claude to come forward. He's going to help serve those that are in the nursery and our musicians this morning. And then you're going to come forward, actually, uh, to receive communion this morning. But before we partake of the table, let's go to the Lord and just a heart of thanksgiving for what we're about to partake. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your love and your gospel is free. Thank you, Lord, that we can be a part here in this room this morning with others that have entered into this joy. And there's something exciting about the fact of seeing lives change with the gospel. And Lord, we look back and we think about the moment of our conversion and the moment we came to know you. And how our lives were so filled with worry, they were filled with fear. They felt hopeless, so confused. And yet, God, in accepting that gift that you were giving, recognizing that we couldn't do it in ourselves, but, Lord, we could embrace your life. Lord, what freedom we found. What joy we experienced. What peace became ours. And thank you, Lord, for all of those gifts. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. Lord, in this moment, we're going to hold on and continue holding on to our confession that the one who began a good work in us will be the one who completes it. And so, God, we ask that you would, Lord, help our hearts to be aware of your presence in this moment. Give us an awareness of your presence and your power, your love and your kindness, your mercy and your grace. And so we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone said, amen. Stand with me. We're going to sing. As we sing, we're going to begin to serve the table. And I'm going to invite those that are on my right, your left-hand side of the sanctuary to come forward down the side aisle. And then once you receive the elements for communion, that you would go down the center aisle and find your seats. Same way in the chapel, those on the right-hand side, my right, your left, uh, can come forward during this time as we sing. This is a time for those that have been born again, those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are walking in obedience with him.
And if that's not you this morning, I'd encourage you this. Don't partake in an unworthy manner. We read what 1 Corinthians said. There were some that were sick. There were some who were weak. Some even died in the church because they made a mockery of the life of Christ. So if that's you this morning, I'd invite you just to stay where you're at. Don't come forward to take the elements this morning unless those things are true of your life this morning. And if it's not, I invite you to come forward and tell me or Pastor Stephen this morning that you'd like to get saved, that you'd like to receive that. We'll stop everything we're doing right here this morning so that you could come to know the Lord in that way. There's no greater joy than that. So as we begin to sing, those on my right, your left, come down the side aisle and come to receive communion as we sing out this song of Here is Love. Let's sing. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. Who is love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal Mountains open deep and wide Through the flood gates of God's mercy Float a vast and gracious time Grace and love like mighty rivers Poured incessant from above And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Yeah, my left, your right, come down the side aisle. Those in the front, come on forward as we sing and we'll come back down the center aisle. We'll be singing on the mountain of crucifixion, fountains opened deep and wide. On the mount of crucifixion, Mountains open deep and wide Through the flood gates of God's mercy Float a vast and gracious tide Grace and love like mighty rivers Poured incessant from above Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Who is love will not remember. Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten. Throughout heaven's 
one more time. Who is love will not remember. Who can cease to sing his praise. He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal day. You can go ahead and be seated just a moment. Go ahead and take just a moment here to open up both layers of the communion cup. You'll notice there's a, a wafer on the top with a thin film, and then you'll find the juice underneath. Go ahead and pull both of those back here. I'll give you just a moment to do that. Well, we enter this time to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we hold in our hand the bread, we're reminded of His life. His perfect life. And that was given in our place. And so as we partake this morning, we're uh, really saying that it's the bread of Christ his life in me, um, and that's what I need, and that's what I depend on. That is my hope. So notice with me this morning, I'll read. Beginning in verse 23, Paul says, I received from the Lord, which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, so let's give thanks right now for the bread. Father, we thank you for this bread that represents your body, your life that was given for us. Lord, as we partake this morning, we pray that we would be resting in the right thing, that we're depending fully in your work of salvation. Lord, thank you this morning that we can even experience the abundant life, your life lived through us and in us. And so we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone said, Amen. The Bible says, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took a cup and he gave thanks for the cup that signified the new covenant in his blood. So this morning I'm going to ask Claude to come and pray for the cup. Thank the Lord for the shedding of his blood and the forgiveness of and that can be ours in Him. Father God, Lord, thank You so much for all that You do. Lord, I just pray that You'll bless the cup as we partake in it, as, as it represents the, the blood that You shed for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of Him. And the Bible says that as often... As we do these things, we show forth, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so this morning, it was really custom, I think, in the early church that after they gathered in this way and had the Lord's Supper and table, that they would sing a hymn. And so we're going to sing out this song together this morning. Stand with me. Uh, look overhead. The words will be there. Let us sing this song in response to the Lord out of a life of worship. And out of a heart of worship, let's sing together here. 